0: Blog Talk Radio
1: good morning ladies and gentlemen this is vincent xavier pastor of new wine ministries great to be with you trust you're doing very well on this post feast of Pesach, feast of unleavened bread feast of first fruits we're now counting the omer if you're following your scriptures and you're participating in the feast of the lord we are now in day number nine of the counting of the omer which began last night And that is, according to the word of God, the children of Israel, they would begin to count the second day of Passover, they would begin to count 49 days, and on the 50th day, they would Shavu out, they would shout it out, and that would be the next great feast uh, for the people of the Lord, which was the feast of Shavu out. So anticipation, expectation, necessary for God's kids who have participated in the feast of the lord so we'll talk more about that as we go and we'll explain the omer as we go but first of all i trust that you had a wonderful easter weekend in the most pure sense of what easter is all about the resurrection the celebration the memory of jesus christ rising from death and i know you know i told our congregation it's one of the hardest days to preach I've noticed in my 28 years of preaching the gospel and 28 years of preaching on Resurrection Sunday, it's one of the hardest days. And it's just, to me, the powers of darkness align themselves on that day probably greater than any other day because that is the refutation. That is what they oppose. That is what is being resisted is the resurrection because the resurrection of Jesus Christ really talks about the undoing of the satanic kingdom because it speaks of a Lord who is alive, who is ruling and reigning high above all principality, power, might, and dominion, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. And so we celebrated it the best way we could, and uh, praising God for that. And so we went with Passover, we went with the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we went with the Feast of fruits. and Jesus Christ in his resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 is the first fruits. And so now we're in that space of time we are in the counting of the omer day number nine tonight when the sun sets will be day number 10 and we're going to count 49 days 49 days every day there is actually a blessing to recite and it just depends on how far you want to go in the celebration there are meditations and these things i stay away from all that but there is a blessing and i will do that with you tomorrow and by the way, speaking of tomorrow, Wednesday, brother Daniel Second will be joining me on the air from Australia. His, uh, the time change has happened for them now, so he could come on. It's only 11 o'clock, so God bless the young man. We'll look forward to seeing Daniel. Also, our sister Sonia uh, is going to be joining us at some point with her message on Islam. Waiting to hear about that, because I know it's very important, and it sounds like she's paralleling and running with Uh, Joel Richardson, who wrote the book The Islamic Antichrist, was talking to a friend of mine the other day from Lebanon. Her name is Vi, and she's becoming more convinced that out of Turkey will come forth the Antichrist, which really uh, makes a lot of spiritual, biblical sense when you stop and think about it. So I'm looking forward to the days ahead and going through Bible prophecy and studying the Word of God, and today I want to just begin by making a few statements and then I have a lot of scripture I want to get into and we're going to start this week right now on Tuesday. We're going to start this week off and get some perspective and direction uh, for where we are and I think it's so important for a right word to be spoken at the right time. We always talk about being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now, but it is also pictures of gold and apples of silver or apples of gold and pictures of silver when a rightly word is spoken in due season. And so we need a due season word, and that has been my heart desire, is to bring forth what is the word of the Lord to you, And what is the word of the Lord for the moment that we're living in right now? And I think that's super important. So I woke up with this phrase in my mind this morning, and I want to share it with you. The world, and this is not going to be a major epiphany for most of you, but the world is filled with sin. Now, I want you to just think about that for a moment. The world is filled with sin. No surprise. You and I were sinners in a sin-filled world. But the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world took our sin away. Hallelujah. And we have received the Word of God so that all the guilt, shame, condemnation, the death that was on us because of our sin, that too has been taken away. And the sin of the world could be removed from any life if that life will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the good news of the gospel. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All right. So now some people have viewed that the sin of the world of um, Judaism, Israel, that the, you know, the Israeli world, because they were the sinners who broke the law of God, because God gave his law to them. But I believe this Reality stretches way beyond just that little area of the Jewish people. I believe, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world began with Israel, but it extended, obviously, to the ends of the earth, to all the nations of the earth. So that includes you, by the way, and that includes me. Our sins have been taken away. Our conscience can be made clear and clean by the blood of the Lamb. We have been washed in his blood. You know the message. I rejoice in that message, and I'm never going to get bored with that message. That's an eternal message for you and I that the blood of the Lamb has washed us and cleansed us and made us right before God so that we can enjoy standing in the grace of God wherein we do stand. Not of works, lest any man should boast, but the free gift of God that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And you and I are the recipients of that eternal life, and we should be carrying the joy of that reality into every circumstance we go into. So we're going to continue to build up our spiritual muscles, our faith muscles, but we do live in a very sin-sick world. I mean, when you wake up every morning and you're hearing about Transgender, homosexual, lesbianism, LGBTQ, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, corruption, lying, all these things with the Jeffrey Epstein, pedophile, and then our own sins, right? All sin that is in the world. And, and again, for you and I, if we're living in sin, shame on us because we don't have to. Shame on us who believe if we're living in sin, practicing sin that is unnecessary that is a shame on the believer and and we could prove that in scripture that we are to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto god through jesus christ but it begins with our reckoning it to be so and then working out that salvation saved from the power of sin but the world apart from jesus christ because there is no other way out of sin's power and the devil uses sin to enslave the souls of men, but there's no other way but Jesus Christ. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There is no other way to the Father except through the Son. And so a person could, could hum all they want, they could get into Buddhism, they could change their thinking, they could do all that, no salvation in any of it only in the son, the son of God, Jesus Christ, the one and only. Amen. So the world that has rejected Christ and those who claim to know Christ, but live in sin and practice sin, man, there's a woe on the world. It's a dark, unfortunate, evil, wicked society. And you see the fruits of that sin all around you. You see it everywhere you go. You you know it's out there, but you and I, are called to be salt and light. You and I are to be walking in this earth salt and light. It doesn't mean that we're tolerating or capitulating or compromising with the sin-sick world, because we've been brought out, we've been translated into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So our salt and light is to preserve the values of the kingdom of heaven, That's what salt does. It's a preservation. So we are to preserve what is holy. We are to preserve what is right because in a sin-sick world, everybody does what they think is right in their own minds. And the values of the kingdom of heaven and the principles of the kingdom of heaven and the truth of the kingdom of heaven are oftentimes diminished out of the minds and the eyes of the public because the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you and I are to preserve what is holy, preserve what is good, preserve what is right. And as we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, we're going to find out that we are living in a time where they're calling good evil and evil good. So we'll get into that as well. But we live in a sin-sick world, and I want to read going back to a Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. It came to pass in verse 1 that men, or when men, Now, a lot of the sages, a lot of people have taught that the 120 years is not like being 75 years old or 90 years old or 120 years old. They were actually numbering 120 jubilees, that the, the, the what does it say, yet his days, man's days, shall be 120 years or 120 jubilees, which is 6,000 years, which fits into Genesis chapter 1, that God created the heaven and the earth in six days. One day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, so six thousand years, okay, God created all things, or six days, and then he rested on the seventh day, so man would have six days or six uh, six thousand years, or one hundred and twenty jubilees, a jubilee is fifty years, time one hundred and twenty is six thousand, and then would come the seventh day or the one thousand year millennial reign, and we are the generation that 's right on the threshold of that reality, so However you look at it, it says that the Lord said, My spirit, this is God saying about his spirit, shall not always strive with man. And God has been striving with man for 6,000 years. But he says it's not always going to be that way. I'm not going to strive all the time. So for that he is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So we're going to stick with what I believe is the truth in the pattern of Scripture that that's 120 jubilees. And we are now in the year 5781. There are 220 missing years, some say 240. We're in the ballpark right now in the season of the wrapping up of 6,000 years and the beginning of the seventh day or the seventh millennium, which means you have to cross over, which is through the great tribulation to break forth on the other side so that the Lord will ultimately return and set up his kingdom. So are we close? I think we're very close. You have to be the judge and figure it out for yourself, I guess. And, and we'll just keep on praying and seeking wisdom from God together. Now he said in verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw, now listen to this, in verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. All right, so man was being wicked. All right, so God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, we live in a sin-sick world. We live in a world filled with sin. It appears that what God was seeing in verse 5, where he saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that that is what God is seeing again today. And that's why he told us through Jesus and the apostles, that the coming of the Lord will be like the days of Noah. All right, we're going to get into that in just a little bit, but I want you to know that God sees the wickedness of man, and he saw in the days of Noah, it was very great, when he's looking at the world today, and I believe what he's seeing is what you and I are sensing, seeing by the Spirit, that the world is a very evil place, that man in the earth is becoming greatly wicked, not all okay not all there is always a remnant there are always those who stand apart okay from the general reality in noah's day it was noah and just a few people it was a much smaller world in those days than eight billion people which we're approaching right now nonetheless god said that the imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually in other words just continuing to pour out the evil we see that everywhere Verse 6, here is what our friend Daniel Seckham would say about this verse. He, He was the first one I heard say it. He said it was the saddest verse in all the Bible. Genesis 6, 6, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Do you notice that God is not blaming demons? God is not blaming Nephilim? God is not blaming fallen angels? God is repenting of the wickedness of man, the man that he created in his image and likeness, okay? The man that was sinning, regardless of how or what or who he was sinning with, God's grievance was with man. It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart, okay? God's not grieved at the devil. God's not grieved at the demons. God's not grieved at anything else, He's only grieved with man that he created and put on this earth. And then in verse seven, the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. So you go back to creation, and God created the beasts of the earth, the cattle in the field, the creeping thing, the fowls of the air. It's all part of God's creation. So God is basically saying, I am so grieved of what man has participated in, what man has done, knowing my law, knowing my Torah, knowing my heart, knowing my spirit, they totally turned away. And I am so deeply grieved but God's grief compelled him to speak the words, I'm going to destroy him off the face of the earth. I created him, therefore I have a right to destroy him. I am the potter, they are the clay. If I don't like what they become, I break them and I'll do something brand new. <clears throat> so, simplifying things, verse, uh, <clears throat> it repents me that I made them. Verse 8 goes on to say in Genesis 6, 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In this sin-sick world, there are individuals that are finding the grace of the Lord. They are finding the grace of the Lord. Not everybody that goes to church is finding the grace of the Lord. There are those whose hearts are turned toward God who are finding the grace of the Lord. They may not be in a superior condition of holiness as others. Nonetheless, their heart is in the right direction. God never looks at the outward performance of anybody. He always looks at the intention of the heart. And so in our generation, at the end of the end of the end of the ages, where we could see the days of Noah repeating themselves and coming to a, a fullness, if you will, in our generation, we have to ask ourselves, are our hearts turned toward the Lord? Are they just uh, are they, are they slightly turned to the Lord? Are they, are they narrowly turned to the Lord? Are they uh, just basically turned to the Lord or are our hearts fully turned to the Lord? That's the, the only one that could ever answer that question for you is you because nobody really knows the heart of a man, but the man. So you have to ask yourself, I have to ask myself, is my heart fully turned to the Lord? Because if it is, I'm going to find favor. I'm going to find grace. I'm going to be the recipient of God's grace. I'm going to walk in the liberty of God's grace, the joy of God's grace, the abundance of God's grace. I know that I have eternal life. I know that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I love to honor the Lord. I love my daddy. And and that's all there is to it. So who is this remnant? Well, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that word grace there, by the way, let me just take a look at that real quick. When he found grace, he found Jesus, really. But it's the cane. It means the grace, the elegance, the favor, and the acceptance, the kindness and the, and the beauty, well-favored. How about you? In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, you want to shine his lights in the world, Right. Philippians. So the idea for you and for me right now to pause, take a sila and ask ourselves the question, is my heart fully turned to the Lord or is it slightly turned to the Lord? Is it 30 fold turned? Is it 60-fold turned? Do I have one eye on the kingdom of the world? Do I have one eye in the kingdom of Christ? Do I have one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom? That will always be a very dangerous and unhealthy place to be for anybody on this earth, okay? So ask yourself, everything you do, what's the motive? What's the reason why I do what I do? Is it to honor men? Is it to please men? Is it to make a reputation? Or is this what I'm doing to please the Lord? Am I going to work and, 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 pay, and where I get my paycheck to pay the bills? Am I doing it to please men or do I work as unto the Lord? In my motives towards everything that I do, is my heart turned to the Lord in everything? Or is my heart turned to the Lord in a few things, but my heart basically does what it wants to do in a few other things? Where is my heart? Well, in these days that we're living in, we desire to be the recipients of the true grace of God, to have it bestowed upon us, to have his kindness and favor in our lives, his acceptance through Jesus Christ, the grace of God. That's what Jesus brought. Now, he goes on to say in verse 9, gets into the generational stuff. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect He was a just man, okay, let's look at the word just, because this is what, uh, he's the sadiq. okay, the sadiq. he was uh, righteous, he was keeping the laws. Now, here's an interesting thing, the law of Moses hadn't showed up, but there was a law called Torah, they knew God's will, man has always known what is right before God, he's written his law upon the heart of every human being, right? So he knew what was right, and he was just. He conducted himself in a proper character, definition again. He did what was correct. He did what was lawful or right. So he was just and perfect in his generations. That's the Tamim, the Tamim. And that means he was complete. He was whole. He was entire. Wow. He had integrity. He walked in truth. He was without blemish. He was full, sincere, sound, without spot, undefiled. Come on, who was this Noah that found grace in the eyes of the Lord? And so shall it be in our days, as the days of Noah are here, that the righteous remnant will be just and perfect. Not talking about justice and perfection, but having hearts that are full, undefiled, without spot, unblemished, totally full and complete, perfect, sincere, integrity, entire. So that means the true meaning of, of grace is the sense of an entirety of the life completely devoted to the purposes of God. Now, that is what's going to pass the test in these last days. Multitudes are going to say, Lord, Lord, right? But they're not going to get in because they never were entirely devoted to the Lord. And it's important that you and I examine ourselves. Are we entirely devoted to the Lord in everything we do? And that doesn't make you religious. It makes you genuinely righteous, okay? Because you can enjoy an abundant life and still be completely and fully engaged with the purposes of God in every area of your life, no doubt. All right, so let's move on because we got a lot of places to go here today. Verse, uh, it says in verse nine, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God, amen. And that is the halak, when he walked with God, And it simply means to walk, uh, to be in a, a, a pace. He moved forward with God. He walked with God. I mean, think about that. In his heart, he walked with God. He stayed in the proper pace with God. He kept up the pace with God. Where God walked, Noah went. When God stopped, Noah stopped. When he moved forward, he moved forward. When he went to the left, he went to the left. Everywhere that God went, which means Noah had a sensitivity to God. Noah knew about God, just like Jesus. I don't say a word unless my father tells me to say it. I don't do anything my father doesn't tell me to do. So there is a life that is capable of living like this when one is sensitive to the Holy Spirit and is allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide their lives. So when we are led by the Spirit of God, we are the sons of God. We're walking with God wherever he goes, we go. And that is what the the remnant in the last days will be doing, but they be very few like in the days of Noah. So now we go back. We're just talking about the sin-sick world to lay foundation for things we want to talk about today. It says, Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then in verse 11, Genesis 6 11, the earth also was corrupt before God. Now that word corrupt is the shakath. And it literally means decayed, ruined. I mean, it talks about marred. And, you know, you live in this world today, isn't it getting so kind of degenerate? You know, we're so tired of hearing about it every day, the filthy conduct of the wicked. We're so, you know, we're, we're just seeing that the world is at such a low ebb, low energy, that, that defilement, that darkness, that corruption, that evil of men because they refuse to turn to God, that they're entertaining demons. It's so sin sick. It's so horrible. And it says that the earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. I thought this was interesting. The word violence is Hamas. You know the terror organization over there in Israel, Hamas? Well, that's the same word for violence If the earth was filled with injustice, is what it means, injustice. It talks about cruelty, uh, talks about unjust gain, violent dealing, unrighteousness, oppression. It's all over the world today. It's all over the world because the governments of this world are under the control of Satan and they're oppressing the people and the people are afraid to do anything about it. Let's move on. Verse 12, God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Except Noah. Noah remained righteous Noah's integrity remained okay that's very important because we know in the last days people are going to begin to compromise become lukewarm capitulate to the times and tolerance and all these things because of the pressure that will be applied against the Christian community remember the great tribulation is not against the world The world has already come to a place of worshiping the dragon and the beast. Remember that. The pressure that's going to be applied by the dragon and all of his evil forces is against the Christians or the followers of Christ to get them to turn away from God, from stop doing what is right, to lose or forfeit their integrity, like Esau who gave up his birthright for a pot of beans so people will be trading over their eternal life, to have a momentary moment of desire or pleasure or food to, to quell their hunger pains or whatever but there will be a people that have integrity that regardless of what goes on they are not going to turn away from God and that's how Noah was and that's how you and I have to be but I love the fact that God spoke to Noah and said in verse 13 God said to Noah the end of all flesh is come before me For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. All right, so God's basically saying that a time of destruction is coming, right? Because the world was filled with sin. Today, the world is filled with sin. I want to talk a little bit about it, okay? So, I don't think that we have any problem admitting that we live in a sin-sick world. So sinful. If God was grieved, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, by the conduct in the days of Noah, how do you feel that God is feeling today, or how do you think God is grieved today, that men, little boys, children, okay, I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this in just a moment, that the world system is enabling them to take puberty-blocking drugs, okay, or to assist in the transformation of their gender identity. In other words, the world is now assisting young boys in becoming young girls, and it's assisting young girls in becoming young boys and the doctors and the system and government and all these different aspects within our society are assisting in the transformation of the identity of a human being that sounds Orwellian doesn't it kind of draconian if you really think about it very satanic very demonic when you think about that and not only that but we also know that not only are little boys and little girls being subject by their parents and the, the adults of the world to change their gender, what five-year-old really knows the truth? Come on. What seven-year-old or nine-year-old or an 11-year-old? And yet this is what's going on because of the twisted, sick minds of the people in this world because of sin, okay? But it's not just that that grieves the father's heart. You have men sexually intercoursing with other men now if that's not disgusting and stinky then we don't know what is but that is horrible in the eyes of god it is also horrible in the eyes of god for women to be having sexual fantasies worked out among women women looking like dykes and men like effeminate homosexuals now the world and the pornographers we love women with women, men with men. They have gay porno, lesbian porno, homo porno, transgender porno, bestiality porno. I mean, you got in there, it's all there. But to God, who created man, this is the most despicable, disgusting, grievous, violent action, and yet it's being promoted all over the world because the new world order is coming, and it is a sin-sick order, and yet you just got to see from God's perspective. And when God saw this in the days of Noah, he said, I'm going to destroy it. And he has every right to destroy it, but he tells the righteous remnant, you need to prepare an ark. And that's what we find in the following verses. And it says, in verse 14, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make it to the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with the pitch. And this is the fashion which you shall make it. The length of the ark, there shall be 300 cubits. The breadth of it, 50 cubits. The height of it, 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above. The door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, third story shalt thou make it. Oh, there's an incredible spiritual prophetic pattern to all that detail. Can't get into it right now, though. Behold, I, verse 17, even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with you, Noah, will I establish my covenant, And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And then he tells them about bringing all the stuff. And then he says in verse 21, And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten. Thou shalt gather it to thee, and shall be for food for thee, and for them, the animals, and everybody else that came in. Now, Noah did according to what God told him to do. So in the days of Noah... God told Noah to build an ark that was going to be able to go through the times of destruction that were coming on the earth. He told him, prepare an ark, get your food. Obviously, they needed water for that journey, so there would be water supply. And however, God was going to do that through the rain and how it would supply the ship, whatever. They had food, water, shelter, provision of every kind. And God puts them, that little remnant, in a little ship And that little ship was going to be preserved by God to go through a total global destruction so that on the other side of that destruction would come out a new earth and a new heaven. Now, what does this mean to us? Is this just a five-year-old Bible story that you go to Sunday school to hear? No, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Let's read that. Luke 17. And I want to pick it up in verse 22. Now we're fast forwarding thousands of years from the days of Noah until the day of Jesus Christ when he was on the earth. So we're thousands of years now down the road. The Messiah has come. Yeshua is in the earth. And he spoke these words to his generation and to a future generation when all these things would be fulfilled. Let's look what he said. Jesus said to his disciples in verse 22, the days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Now we're already desiring it right now, aren't we? And you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, see here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part under heaven shines under the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Okay, so that day of lightning of the Lord's return has not come yet. But he does say this in 26. And as it was in the days of Noah... All right, these are the words of Jesus. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Plural, days. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Okay, so he uses that day, the days of Noah. What are they doing? Well, obviously we just read the earth was corrupt, it was defiled, it was blemished, it was wicked, it was evil, it was licentious, it was Just every thought of the imagination of the heart was evil continually. It was ugly. But what were they doing in that environment? They were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying, giving in marriage. He goes a little further in verse 28, and he talks about another time. He says, likewise also, Luke uh, 17, 28, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, in that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house... Let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. You know what the devil is trying to do to our generation right now? Let me, let me be clear to the remnant, okay? I'm speaking to the remnant right now. He's... What, he's using witchcraft. He's using magic. He's using mind binding spells. Okay. That's what's going on all over the world right now. The witchcraft is heavy right now all over the world and it's prevailing. Believe me, the demonic, satanic, occultic, evil witchcraft powers are have been working and to bring everything to this moment, the veil is so darkened over the minds of man. But what God wants the what or excuse me, what the devil wants the remnant to do right now is to start rethinking their position. Well, I started, you know, when I first heard this message, it made a lot of sense. So I started to prepare my ark. When I first heard this 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, five years, 10 years, when I first heard the message of the end times, Boy, did it resonate with my spirit. Boy, I started to build my ark, prepare, get ready. I started, you know, really being involved in it. But through the process of time, the, the devil is saying, just look back. Just look back like Lot's wife in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah or like the Israelites when they came out with that powerful, mighty move of God. When they went through the Red Sea, they started longing for the leaks of Egypt. They looked back in their hearts. What the devil is wanting to accomplish right now among the remnant believers, he's already got the majority of Christians today believing in a preacher of rapture. So he's already got a plan to set them up to lose their faith because they're going to be here when he shows up. I mean, that's, you know, false doctrine, fairy tales, lying spirits, pre-trib rapture, once saved, always saved. He's done that on purpose to get people already set up for what's coming in the demonic, but he's really going after the remnant to try to get Noah from moving forward. I wonder how many times the devil came to Noah through the mocking of the world around him to tell him, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Remember, they scoffed and mocked him. So the devil was involved in the details there as well. So how many times was Noah tempted to say, what am I doing? I don't know if he was tempted at all. I'm just wondering. It seems like every time there's a God work to do, the enemy opposes it. And a lot of times the builders are the ones that are attacked by the devil. So... It was designed to get Noah to stop, or to get Lot's wife to look back, or to get Israel to turn back, or like in John chapter 6, verse 66, many of them that were with Jesus went back, okay? And when he told them, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he called them to a higher level of intimacy is what he did, of union And so the remnant has this common union with Christ, a fellowship in the light that John talked about in the epistles. We have a fellowship with him in the light. But there's this work of the enemy to turn people away. Stop preparing. They mock you and say, don't get your food. Don't get your water. This isn't a time to run and hide. This isn't a time to, you know, the end times and to get all nervous. They actually mock people from doing what God told Noah to do, even though we're recognizing in our world that it's just like the days of Noah in its viciousness and its ungodliness and its cruelty and its sinfulness. Okay, it's all there. But people are told not to do it. So you and I have to have a spiritual intelligence to understand and see the signs of the times that we are in right now. Don't stop preparing. Don't stop building your ark. Don't stop gathering righteous things to you or righteous people to you. Don't stop getting the food you need on your ark, in your ark. Don't stop believing because right now the mind-bending satanic spell is exactly designed to do exactly that to turn people back from moving forward in the original purpose that God put in their hearts. And he's doing it by getting people bored. Oh, I've heard that before. It never really happened. Don't go for it. Go to another passage of scripture in Matthew 24, verse 36. Matthew 24, verse 36. And we all know this pretty well. Matthew 24 36 says this but of that day and hour knoweth no man now this is all about Matthew 24 Jesus talking about his return immediately after the tribulation of those days but here he says but of that day and hour knows no man no not the angels of heaven but my father only But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, what was the days of Noah? It was a time of destruction. And notice he does not say the day, singular. He says, but as the days of Noah were, the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, when Jesus Christ will bring judgment. You remember in Revelation 6, they hide in the rocks, and they, they, they say, behold, they see the wrath of the Lamb has come. His time has come, the wrath of the Lamb. Well, that wasn't the second coming of Jesus. That was just one of the days of his wrath that would visit the nations to subdue the wickedness. Just like the day of God came in the days of Noah, but it wasn't the end of 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 the end. Okay, there will be the end. But now he says, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away in destruction. We know that. Those that were taken away were taken away in destruction, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken in destruction, and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the son of man comes. Well that's very interesting because above Jesus was talking about his coming immediately after the tribulation every eye would see him. So he's talking about something else in the realm of destruction and judgment, okay? Who is who then is that is a faithful and wise serpent servant, servant, servant whom his lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Doing what? Preparing, watching, being ready, getting themselves motivated, walking with the Lord. Full integrity intact, right? Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. And if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays is coming, and that's the atmosphere. That's the general atmosphere right now that's moving around us. The Lord's delaying is coming. We've heard this before. I've, I've prepared. Nothing happened. That's all satanical witchcraft against those builders, okay? The people that went, went out beginning, but they're turning back. And what are they doing? They're saying the Lord's delaying is coming. They begin to smite his fellow servants. I mean, I I was smitten last week by somebody on our own chat room, just reached out and smote me and told me I was effing a problem, you know, because they didn't like what I was saying and they didn't like the fact that I cut them off because, but you see, this is where people are going to become vicious and cruel and they're going to become like the world, because they're not treated the way that they want to be treated. Last time I heard, the last time somebody treats you in a disrespectful way, you're to turn the other cheek. But I noticed that my so-called brother and friend, rather than turning the other cheek, he launched the F-bomb at me because he didn't like what I did. But you see, this is just the beginning of the way things are going to be. So now it says, My Lord delays his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Beware. Watch out. Because you think the Lord is delaying his coming. You don't like the way you're being treated for whatever reason you think and you're going to become that kind of cruel and wicked and evil. Watch out. Repent. Repent of your sin. Now, in what I want to ge- generally get into here is <clears throat> let's go to Isaiah chapter 5. And now we're going to get into the meat of today's message. Okay, I've laid a lot of groundwork. I hope that's been okay with you. Isaiah chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 20. And we're going to look at this. And I just want to say it again, prophetically to you, my brother, my sister, the remnant whose hearts and integrity are intact, who are fully following the Lord. In your generation, when many are turning back, the devil is trying to work on you to get you to look back like Lot's wife. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, don't look back. Don't stop your preparations. Don't stop working out your salvation. Don't stop cleansing. Don't stop washing. Don't stop loving. Don't stop forgiving. Don't stop doing what is right to do before the Lord. In spirit, soul, and body, keep going. You're on the right track. But the devil is using his same plan he's been using from the beginning of time. Hath God really said? Yes, God hath truly said. Now, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Let's look at it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Woe unto them that do what? Call evil good and good evil. Do you believe we live in a time, evil is called good, and good is being called evil? I heard you say, ha, obviously, yes, and I agree with you. Right now, what is evil? Now, how do you know what's evil? If you don't have the word of God to describe what is evil, then you're left to your own ideas. But God has even written upon our heart his law in every one of his creatures we know good and evil we all know it okay we ignore it we bury it we don't want to do it and we shift and get into deception and that's it but we're without excuse according to the book of Romans because God has written it on our hearts so we call evil what is evil homosexuality is evil pornography is evil abortion is evil transgenderism is evil lesbianism is evil queer is evil okay What else is evil? Pride is evil. Jealousy is evil. Envy is evil. Religious, arrogant pride is really evil. So there's a lot of things that are evil that we call good today. And then what is good? Integrity, compassion, love, truth, light. It's called evil. So we live in a world Today, globally, all over the world at the same time, that good is evil spoken and evil is being seen as good. Witchcraft is good. Satanism is good. Luciferianism is good. This is all good. It's all good. Okay? But it's evil if you know God's word. And you can never depart from the word of God. You have to remember the word of God is the law of the Lord. You must know this. And the Holy Spirit must convince you of what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. Good and evil does exist. Okay? Now, he goes on in verse 20. And this is Isaiah 520. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So he's just describing an environment of of the times that it's all twisted. It's all turned backwards, all inverted, okay? And he says, woe unto them that do that. Woe to the generation. And then in verse 21, woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So the whole world that thinks it's wise without Jesus Christ being their wisdom. See, you and I, we're the most foolish people on the face of the earth, but we have received the wisdom of God through Jesus Christ. He is our wisdom. So we have a greater intelligence than the wisest men on the earth that have ecumen and brain power and intelligence. Whoa, so intelligent and smart they are and boast in their knowledge, but they're fools without Jesus Christ obeying Jesus Christ. So now we have verse 22. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. Woe unto you. Woe unto this, right? Verse 23. This is very telling. Listen to Isaiah 523, which justify the wicked for reward. That's exactly what the government of the United States of America is doing and the global one world government all over the world. They are justifying the wicked. Woe unto them, right, which justify the wicked. So in other words, tell the wicked they're justified by promoting laws to protect them. The laws of transgenderism, the laws of homosexuality, the laws of lesbianism, the laws of abortion. This is all very wicked conduct for hundreds of years in our own country, thousands of years around the world. It was known to be evil and wicked, but only in our generation have we now justified the wicked by promoting laws to protect their wickedness. So now the wicked feel justified, but woe to them, which justify the wicked for reward. They do it for money. The Supreme Court has been bought off totally. I don't know about you, but I can never again trust the Supreme Court, the government of the United States, never again. Fox News, right Republican, right wing, it's all absolutely, vilely, wicked, demonic, deceptive. It is an angel of light. And for anybody That really, I mean, there's some good stuff once in a while they throw out there. But when you really reach through it all, it's all vanity. So you have to be very careful about it. But there's a woe upon the whole system. The woe here about that generation that calls evil good and good evil, et cetera, et cetera. The woe about those who are wise in their own eyes. These people that don't obey Jesus Christ. They may say Jesus all they want, but they don't do what is right by upholding what is holy and right and good. Okay? Okay. Uh, Those who drink strong drink and they think that they, you know, they've got it all. Those that are justifying the wicked. Now watch this. Which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. They're taking away righteousness. Listen to verse 24. Therefore. As the fire and, you, and there's a depth of that, they take away the righteousness of the righteous. So doing what is right is now being removed. Laws against righteousness, speaking against unrighteousness. This is happening in our society, and so we're, we're going to talk in just a second, okay? We're 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 good with that. So now in verse twenty-five, therefore, as the or verse twenty-four. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, their blossoms shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. All right, so America has done what? It has cast away the law of the Lord. It has literally despised the word of the Holy One of Israel by allowing and promoting what is obviously wicked and evil in our society today. So have the nations of the earth done the same. Okay, verse 25. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, this nation, And he has stretched forth his hand against them, and we've been watching that since 9 11, 2001, and hath smitten them, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still in judgment. So we've been watching this discipline of the Lord since 9 11, 2001. We're 20 years down the road now and God's hand is still stretched out in judgment. Don't you think for a moment that this thing that appears to be a pause, which is really a deception to try to turn people away from doing what is right and pursuing the things that God told them to do. That's what's happening. Well, verse 26, he will lift up an ensign to the nations from far. Watch what God's going to do to America. And will hiss unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. God is right now calling for the United Nations, the global government, to come into America, the Judeo-Christian nation that once stood for what is right and what was light and what was good, had laws protecting our society against the insanity, right, and the wickedness. But now that we've despised the word of the Lord and we've turned away from the Lord, now God... This is what you're witnessing right now. This is what's happening. This is why Donald Trump was removed. Because even while he was in power, wickedness was still running rampant in our society. Watch. So now, God is hissing. End of the earth. And they're coming with speed swiftly. Who are they? They demonic powers. The evil nations of the earth. Watch. Verse 27. None shall be weary. That that army that he's calling, none of them, the global community, none of them will be weary. That's why the the strength in the Ecclesia is ebbing uh not among the righteous now. There, there is a remnant that are going to be strong to the end, but what's coming on our nation, those who are coming, are so determined. You'll see it in commercials, you'll see it in sitcoms, you'll see it on TV. They're so determined to keep the blindness and they're coming with speed. None will be weary, none stumble among them. None shall slumber nor sleep. They're not going to go to sleep until their job is done. Neither shall the girdle of their loins be loose. They're going to stay focused and energetic nor the latchet of their shoes broken. They're not going to take the shoes off in Shalah. There is something coming upon this nation. It's already here. They're already invading. The flood is coming. It is wicked, totally wickedness against this nation. And it's already happening. It just hasn't broken out into the ultimate physical violence. But the takeover is underway. They're not going to stop. And then it says in verse 28, whose arrows are sharp, And all their bows bent, their horses' hooves shall be counted like flint, and their wheels like a whirlwind. In other words, the chariots are coming. Oh, I've heard that before. Don't look back. It's true. The chariots are coming. This is the word of the Lord. To the remnant. Then, listen to this. This blew me away. Verse 29. They're roaring. Get this. Keep this in your mind. Their roaring shall be like a lion. They shall roar like young lions. Listen now. Yea, they shall roar and lay hold of the prey and shall carry it away safe. None shall deliver it. So the roaring is coming. Watch this, verse 30. And in that day, they shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And if one look unto the land, behold, darkness and sorrow, and the light is darkened in the heavens thereof. Wow. So their roaring shall be how? Like the roaring of the sea. Turn with me to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse 25. And here's what Jesus said. Remember, those who are coming... The nations that are coming swiftly are not going to be tired. Their wheels are going to be loud. They're coming to roar like lions. They're going to roar like the sea. Jesus said it this way. Luke 21, verse 25. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring how are they going to be in isaiah 530 in that day they shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea and how what's jesus saying the sea and the waves roaring men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth what's going on here If you stop preparing right now, this flood that he's hissing for, that God is literally calling for, of the nations of the earth, give you another perspective of what it looks like. In Jeremiah chapter 1, oh, would to God that Jeremiah were back in the house. Amen. So Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 11 says this. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, you have well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. What was the almond tree? It was when in springtime, it was the first to burst forth. It came suddenly, quickly. Here, the Lord, I've read this a hundred times. It means more to me today than it did the first time I read it. The Lord is saying, I am going to do what? What? I am going to hasten my word to perform it. In other words, just like the almond tree that hurries along, I'm going to hasten my word. And then what he says, The word of the Lord came to me the second time, saying, What do you see? I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord. They shall come. They shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem and against all the walls thereof round about, against all the cities of Judah, and I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness. God has been telling America about all her wickedness. The Judeo-Christian nation, come on. This is what God is saying to America. This is what Jeremiah would say to America today and Israel and their sin, okay, because we are the offshoot, the offspring of Israel, no doubt about it. Now he says, I'm going to speak to them concerning all their wickedness, but I'm going to bring out of the north the kingdoms and the tribes of the north. They're going to set themselves at every gate, in every town, in every city, and then it says, I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness who have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods and worship the works of their own hands. It's exactly what America has done. Thou therefore, Jeremiah, gird up your loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command you. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound you before them, for behold, I have made you this day a defense city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah and against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, against the people of the land. They shall fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, saith the Lord, to deliver you. In other words, the Jeremiah anointing. Go and speak to the nation. Speak to the pastors. Speak to the shepherds. Speak to the priests. Speak to the politicians. Speak to the... Senate, speak to Congress, speak to the judiciary, speak to the Supreme Court, speak to the White House, speak to the people of the land. Tell them that I'm sending judgment upon the land. But don't you refrain from saying what I tell you to say, or I will embarrass you before all of them. This is what God was telling Jeremiah. And right now there's this idea like, Oh, we've talked about it for so long. It has lost its meaning. Oh, stop building your ark. Linger a little longer, Lot. Look back, Israel, and say, well, it was better back there in the world system anyways. What's all this talk about? Come out of her, my people. This may not be the time. Well, if it's not the time, then what time is it? What do you want to accomplish? What do you see being accomplished? Come on. No, no, no. The Jeremiah prophetic anointing of God is alive and well. And he'll raise up any vessel he wants to to keep telling the people what God is going to do. He will keep telling this nation to repent and the church in this nation to repent of your idolatry and your capitulation and your fornication with the world that you live in. No, 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 no. I'm warning you, they are lying, they are setting you up, they are waiting for their opportunity to pounce. It's all around. And what you and I do right now, we've got to be faithful to the Lord. You have to be the Jeremiah to your neighborhood. You have to be the Jeremiah in your home. And if you're afraid to tell the truth, and you're like one of those people that just wants all the goody goodies, you are in trouble with them. They were wrong before they're going to be wrong again. I got people that hear the true words of God and they don't want to hear it anymore. They don't even want to be around it anymore. They just want to go and live in la-la land and make everything done and they're on their own doing their own thing. They are wrong. They are so wrong. People forget that we just went through a year, they say now that 580 Americans have died to COVID-19 in the last year. That's what they're telling us. 580,000 Americans dead. Well, there was only 3,000 or 2,997 and 9-11, but now 580,000. And Bill Gates is telling us that a worse pandemic, too, is coming soon. Vaccinate the whole world as quickly as you can. And we're hearing story after story about people being vaccinated and getting very sick. You won't be able to travel with the passport. You're going to turn back now. You're going to preach peace and safety now. You're going to let your children live in this world without really getting down deep into their hearts and telling them the truth to break their spoiled little natures. Are you, car- are you serious? You will weep and you will mourn for their loss when they turn from the Lord if you do not instruct them in righteousness right now. You are not living in a casual moment upon this earth. You are living where the invasion is coming with speed, but the darkness, you can't even see it. Can't feel it. Don't want to feel it. Don't want to see it. Don't want to hear it. I just want to be okay right now. A week from now, that whole mentality could be dashed to the grounds. I'm just warning you. I'm just warning you. We are not going to get tired of speaking the truth in love. We are not going to say, you know, you want to talk about the Constitution? Let's talk about the Constitution. I'd love to talk about the Constitution. A lot of people, some of my dear friends are telling me that the Constitution of the United States of America was designed to let homosexuals, lesbians, queer, all these different things, protest in the streets of America. They have a right to address the grievances of their government. And I'll tell you, Have you ever really studied constitutional law? I haven't. But what I have looked at are the people that formed the Constitution. The very nature of the Constitution. uh, Yeah, I can read them to you. I got it. You want to hear a little bit of the nature of the Constitution? Let's do it. Just a little bit. Just kind of sidestepping some things, having fun, okay? So let's go to it. So here we go. Let's go. Let's start with this one. I always thought this was a good one. Got to get way to the top here. And it's okay. I mean, you could have differences. That's fine. Differences are good. Um, But let's get to the truth. Let's just give just a few examples. Um, I got to go a little deeper here. Just a few examples of what I'm referring to here. Mm -hmm. All right, this is the one I love. Let's just talk about the Constitution. So these are a few declarations of the founding fathers. Now, I want you to hear what they had to say. Don't tell me I've already heard it. Listen, listen. John Adams, signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was a judge, a diplomat, one of two signers of the Bill of Rights, and the second president of the United States. He was a signer of the Constitution, okay? Or the Declaration of Independence. He said, and I quote, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as essential and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. Without religion, this world would be something not fit to be mentioned in polite company. I mean hell. The Christian religion is, above all the religions that ever prevailed or existed in ancient or modern times, the religion of wisdom, virtue, equity, and humanity. Suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book, and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited? What a utopia, what a paradise would this region be? I've examined all religions, and the result is that the Bible is the best book in the world. How about John Quincy Adams? He was the sixth president of the United States. He was a diplomat, Secretary of State, U.S. Senator, U.S. Representative, old man eloquent and hellbound of abolition. Here's what he said. My hopes of a future life are all founded upon the gospel of Christ. And I cannot cavil or quibble away the whole tenor of his conduct by which he sometimes positively asserted and at others countenances his disciples in asserting that he was God. What's he talking about? The hope of a Christian is inseparable from his faith. Whoever believes in the divine inspiration of the holy scriptures must hope that the religion of Jesus shall prevail throughout the earth. Never since the foundation of the world have the prospects of mankind been more encouraging to that hope that they appear to be at the present time. And may the associated distribution of the Bible proceed and prosper till the Lord shall have made, bear his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This is in the chain of human events. The birthday of the nation is indissolubly linked with the birthday of the Savior The Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. Samuel Samuel Adams, I'll just read a couple more, signer of the Declaration of Independence, father of the American Revolution, ratifier of the U.S. Constitution, governor of Massachusetts said, I rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ for a pardon of all my sins. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Thither the righteous flee and are safe. Let us secure his favor and he will lead us through the journey of this life and at length receive us to a better. I conceive we cannot better express ourselves than by humbly supplicating the supreme ruler of the world that the confusions that are and have been among the nations may be overruled by the promoting and speedily bringing in the holy and happy period when the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ may be everywhere established and the people willingly bow to the scepter of him who is the Prince of Peace. He also called on the state of Massachusetts to pray. What did he said to pray? Pray, number one, the peaceful and glorious reign of our divine Redeemer may be known and enjoyed. Wow. Pray that we may with one heart and voice humbly implore his gracious and free pardon through Jesus Christ, supplicating his divine aid, and above all, to cause the religion of Jesus Christ and his true spirit to spread far and wide so the whole earth shall be filled with his glory. And pray, number three, with true contrition of heart to confess their sins to God and implore forgiveness through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, let me ask you a question, and let me just read one more, okay? Josiah Bartlett, he was a military officer, signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was a judge and the governor of New Hampshire. Here's what he said called on the people of New Hampshire to confess before God their aggravated transgressions and to implore his pardon and forgiveness through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, that the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ may be made known to all nations, pure, undefiled religion, universally prevail, and the earth be filled with the glory of the Lord. Come on. Gunning Bedford, I will read another one, military officer, member of the Continental Congress, signer of the Constitution, federal judge, said to the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, be ascribed all honor and dominion forever. Amen. Elias Boudinot said, let us enter on this important business under the idea that we are Christians on whom the eyes of the world are now turned. Let us earnestly call and beseech him for Christ's sake to preside in our councils. We can only depend on the all-powerful influence of the Spirit of God, whose divine aid and the assistance it becomes us as a Christian people must devoutly to implore. Therefore, I move that some minister of the gospel be requested to attend this Congress every morning in order to open the meeting with prayer. You know, some of the signers actually said if America ever turned from a moral and religious condition that it would be turned into hell. I've got so many more of these I want to quote you, but here's my point. You want to talk about who has a right to protest? The nature of the Constitution was not to give a right to evil, wicked people to protest the government to justify their wickedness. That is totally twisted theology. The very nature of the Constitution was for the moral and righteous people to address their government when they did anything that would produce the same wickedness that prevailed in other nations around the world. Oh, we'll prove it. We'll keep going on and we'll read it. Nowhere in the Founding Fathers documentation of the Constitution of the United States did it ever in nature encourage evil, wicked people to address the government to justify their wickedness. God forbid. So having said that, it's 1021. I'd like to see what you all are doing today. So I'm just going to go to the telephone lines. And I'm going to say hello to a number of people that are out there today. And if you have a question or a comment, you could call into the broadcast today. The number to call is 818-369-0326. 818-369-0326. Press one on your dial pad. I'll bring you right into the conversation. I'm going to say good morning to my dear friend and pastor, Jeff Bass, over at River of Fire Ministries. No, River of Fire. Wait a second. That's our friends in South Dakota. That's David and Victoria. God bless you, River of Fire Ministries. We're going to see David and Victoria this coming weekend. They're coming down to minister to the body of Christ in Northwest Arkansas. God bless them. And if you get around this neighborhood, you're going to want to meet them and say hello to them, no doubt. I want to say good morning to Cindy. Good morning, Cindy. God bless you. And good morning to Kevin Hauger. God bless you, Kevin. And Carol Carey, good morning to you. And Charlotte Gotch, good morning to you. And Brenda Torville, good morning to you. And I see Melissa Fletcher. Good morning to Melissa Fletcher. Good morning to you. Evangelist Hunaid Masih, God bless you. And good morning to you. And to Keith Carey, good morning. And Sarah Ankerman, good morning to Sarah. What chapter and verse are we in? Wanted to know. Terry Shannon was here last weekend. I look for you, Terry. Preach it, Brother Vincent. People need your message through wisdom. Thank you for that. Good morning, Brenda. Terry says. Brenda Tormill, good morning, Terry. Happy how you are here. Kathy Bruns, this world is not my home. I am just passing through. God bless. Amen to that reality. Terry Shannon, Brother Vincent, the Holy Spirit unctioned me to lead a young man, Kenny, to the sinner's prayer while I was on the square Monday morning at 7 a.m. Then several hours later in another part of the city, while visiting with a good godly sister, he showed up. What are the chances? Amen. God's chances, right? It's all led by the Holy Spirit. All right. Bravo for another one who knows the word of the Lord. All right. Janet Ruth writer. Good morning, Pastor. Good morning to you, Janet. Laquita, good morning to you. 150 days of rain. It took 40 to lift the boat. Amen to that. Ah, Terry Shannon, Leviticus for homosexuality activity. The word is abomination. The Hebrew meaning is putrid. Putrid is like puke. Everyone know how disgusting that is. Then there's Romans chapter one. I agree with you. I know people don't like to say it that are lukewarm, compromise and all that, but we're not being bigotrous, are we all right brenda torville i won't stop getting food and water don't brenda keep going diane gravely greetings this morning diane greetings to you bonnie boyer morning all good morning bonnie and jamie lynn good morning miss bonnie brenda torville good morning chandra good morning good morning chandra god bless you kenneth bruns the rain we had last night fell on the just and unjust it certainly did but it doesn't justify the unjust hallelujah now River of Fire, amen. River of Fire, good word. Thank you. Wendy Timmons, good morning, Pastor Vincent. In agreement with everything, it's time to plan and get on the ark. God bless you. Thank you, Wendy, for that encouragement. I appreciate it. Uh, Brenda Turville, I'm sharing. River of Fire, come on, preach it. We're doing our best. Kenneth Bruns, There are more than ostriches with their heads in the sand when it comes to God. Yes, it's true. One-third of our Constitution is right out of the Bible. You got that right. David Ellison, good morning. Good morning to you, David. Terry Shannon, Terry's watching you. I see Brenda Torville and others I recognize. Terry, get excited. Vincent, excitement sells. Well, I'm not selling anything. I'm trying to wake people up. Now, River of Fire, so true. River of Fire, thumbs up. Chandra, Marissa says, good morning, Pastor. Good morning, Marissa. David Ellison, I prayed over our AC in Jesus' name, and it started working. Way to go, Dave. That's the way to do it. All right, so there we are. I've got a call coming in on area code 818-369-0326. Let's take the call. 479 you're on the air. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. Good morning. Um
0: Salt and lights unapologetically. Pastor Vince, keep preaching. It Woo! the boldness that is being shared through you is cut. it's um I don't know who said this, whatever gets on you will get in you, whatever gets on you through you or I I don't know. A brother shared that, but it's um the boldness that is being shared. It is growing within me. I know it's buying through the power of the Holy Spirit, so um, keep preaching, um, and God bless you. God bless you. And the, um, the awakening, because the, um, whenever you are, uh, I take it to the, when, uh, how do God, Holy Spirit, help me to relay this. When the urgency, you know, as you are preaching, um, the urgency, because there is such a dumbing down. And and I hear it. I hear it at work. And so I just want to encourage you, just let the, the power of the Holy Spirit bring the volume that he wants to bring. And I need the louder, the better. So I just want to encourage you, keep preaching salt light unapologetically. God bless you.
1: Amen. What a beautiful comment. Thank you so much for that. I do appreciate it. God bless you. Yep. We are the Amplified Version. That's what we were told when we were ministering down in Maryland. They said, you know, you're an amplifier. So we do minister the Amplified Gospel, the Amplified (laughs) Word of God. Let me tell you a little story what happened to me on the square on Saturday in Bentonville. There was a Black Lives Matter and a LGBTQ community gathering. And so I thought, well, we don't really need... BLM and uh, the LGBTQ community protesting in our city streets, I'm going to go down there. So I took my motorcycle. I went down to the square and I minded my own business. And I was looking for someone maybe to minister to. I wanted to share the gospel, the good news with sinners, because that's what we're called to do. But I was curious about what was going on. And long story short, I was walking around and I was, now being followed by a couple of people, and they called to me, and I did not respond, and I kept walking. And long story short, a young lady with an uh, a AR, not an AK, an AR, weapon wrapped around her body, and she walked up to me. She said, do you have something you wanted to know? Do you have any questions? And I looked at her. Probably wasn't the best response in the world. I said, I have nothing to ask you. I have nothing to say to you. And I probably should have said, "Yeah, I do. I want to know what you guys are doing," but I didn't. Uh, the AR weapon around the neck, maybe a little intimidating. And while well, they sent the young lady across the street to approach me, they were standing on the other side watching. Some pretty big. People with their costumes on, and so I was standing there, and she started yelling at me and telling me different things, and I ministered Jesus Christ and told her about the love of God, and the argument went on, and you know, blah blah blah, in this whole thing, and I finally got on my motorcycle and I drove back home. I had to be home at one thirty. There was a woman's meeting, had to walk, to so. I've got another call coming in. I want to take this call and we're going to have to lose everybody, I think, on Blog Talk Radio, uh, but we'll stay a little longer on Facebook. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more of the story in just a second. Let's see if I can get this call in here. I don't know. Area uh, code 469, you're on the air. Welcome to the broadcast. Hello, Area code 469-243, you're on the air. Okay, so it looks hey, like
2: Yes. Hello. Yeah, I I got I had a bad disconnection. Are you there?
1: Yes, I'm here. Is that you, Terry? Okay,
2: okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is Terry. I I won't talk that long this time, okay? I just wanted to call in and, and explain to you. When I use the word selling, you got to remember that when I used to be in the world, I trained hundreds of salespeople that selling uh, excitement sells, and it really does. I know you're not selling anything, but the excitement gotcha. that you have on the radio, lots of fire under people like me and others. And so it is a form of selling, but I did want to apologize that.
1: Oh, uh, bless your far, heart, as, man.
2: <laughs> okay. As far as your, uh, excitement about homosexuality, we have to remember that there's a reason in Leviticus 18:22 that God said that abomination is, a uh, 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 is putrid. Uh, every word of the word of God is right. That's, A lot of people don't realize that circumcision on the eighth day, I'm just throwing out different things, was in the Bible 2,000 years ago, but only about 60 years ago did the people realize that blood coagulated its best and highest on the eighth day, not the seventh day or not the ninth day, but on the eighth day. And so I'm just saying that, I'm bringing up things that are in the Bible that people don't talk about. For example, there's rivers underneath and going and flowing through the oceans. It talks about that in the Bible. And the last thing I wanted to say, I'm sorry I missed you on the square uh, Saturday night. Uh, I did watch all the the uh, protests. It was not that big of a deal. I want to bring up one thing that my brother Ryan Hollinsworth mentioned, and it was so true. And we witnessed all weekend down there. I was up there six and eight hours a day, Saturday and Sunday. But that night, Brother Hollingsworth looked at me and he said, you know, isn't it funny? We're out here in the sun and it's bright and everybody's having a fun. And they're over there in the dark, in the shade of the building, and you can't really see as much as you want to. Isn't that incredible observation? They're in the yes. dark.
1: Yeah. Well, it's you true. Know. And it's that's so true.
2: And that's all... Yeah, and that's all I had. I just wanted to say hi, and and I'm sorry I missed you. But I'm coming back to Bentonville because I had a great opportunity yesterday morning. I canceled breakfast to talk to this young man, Kenny, on the square, and uh, it was unbelievable. It was just fantastic. His mother had been trying to get him to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior for years, and he wouldn't. And I was unctioned, and he allowed me, and I told him, I said, look, you go to your mother today, and you tell her that you accepted Jesus Christ because your parents care about you more than any human flesh on this world, and so you do that,
1: and he said he would, and that's all
2: I got, Vincent.
1: (laughs) All right, Terry, well, make sure while you're in town you come visit us. I was looking for you at church on Saturday and Sunday. We missed you, but you'd be blessed and we'll see you very soon. Thank you for chiming in, and thank you for explaining what you were saying. And we're all good, man. God bless your heart. We'll talk to you God soon. bless you. Hope to see you again more this week. All right. God bless you. Okay. And that's Bye-bye. it for our broadcast today. We're going to have to say goodbye, and we'll see you tomorrow. Remember, Daniel Second will be joining me on the air tomorrow. You stay focused on what God has called you to do. And let God take care of the results, okay? Just leave the results to God. You keep doing what God told you to do. Right now, Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You could join into a roundtable discussion, How to Prosper in the Time of Famine, with Patricia Joy Xavier and her roundtable discussion. And remember, if you would like to support this radio broadcast, this ministry on the air, we certainly would appreciate your support. The way to do that is by going to our website, nwmglobal.org, or omegaradio.org. And if you go to omegaradio.org, you should be able to find the donation tab and support the ministry that way. For everybody who does, thank you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow with bells on. I'm Pastor Vince. Shalom and God bless. Right now, roundtable discussion with Patricia Joy Xavier.